All right, good evening. Good to see you here. Um, praise the Lord for you being here this evening. And uh, we want to continue our study. I guess we've really kind of looking at different disciplines of the Christian life. We've looked at prayer. And last week I told you we're going to be, begin to look at Bible study. And so we want to look at that uh, for a little bit tonight. If you got a handout, we've got some. If not, if you want one, we've got plenty. Anybody need one that didn't get one of these? All right. Back over here. Anybody else need one? Yes, ma'am. Everybody else set and ready to go? What's that? <laughs> I was late getting them in here, so unfortunately that's the way my day's been. And so I started off at 5 o'clock this morning, and uh, just not enough hours in the day today. So <laughs> that's the way. It's been one of those days, but I'm glad to be here tonight. And so in 2 Timothy um, chapter number 2, um, we find that the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, uh, verse number 15 the Bible says, a study uh, to show yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so the Bible says to study. And so I want to look tonight as we looked at prayer and how to pray. And we really, we didn't get depth into prayer over a few weeks, but we looked in a little bit into what prayer looks like. And so we talked last week about studying the Bible and learning the, the word of God. There are several aspects of the Word of God that as Christians we can learn to apply to our lives. We can read the Word of God, we can hear the Word of God, we can study the Word of God, and reading and hearing the Word of God are pretty self-evident. I don't think we really need to teach you how to read the Word of God. If you can read, fantastic. If you can't, I'm probably not the person to help you. So um, reading the Word of, and hearing the Word of God. You know what it means to hear. There doesn't take really a whole lot of education to learn how to hear. Uh, you listen, open your ears up and pay attention and listen. However, the third aspect is studying the Word of God. And there can be much more involved in studying the Bible. And so I want to take a little while and maybe look at what it means to study God's Word and how we can do so more effectively and more efficiently. I know in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 12, um, it says that and much studying is a weariness of the flesh and study can be weariness of the flesh. And therefore, when we study the Word of God, it takes work. And uh, one of the reasons I think that most people uh, most people don't even read the Bible anymore, but for those who do read, most believers don't study the Bible. And I think one of the reasons is, is that it requires work. And on the other aspect, I think a lot of people just don't know what it means. And I know that you do tonight, but I want to uh, share this anyways, those who might be on Facebook, or maybe this might help you teach someone else better how to study the Bible. One of the best ways to study God's Word is to take notes. Matter of fact, one of the primary differences between reading the Bible and studying it is studying it means that we're, uh, we're taking stuff that we've read, we're picking out uh, what the Bible's saying, we're accumulating information together. And that really is the primary difference um, uh, 
or the, I guess we could put it this way, the, the most ex, uh, significant difference between reading and studying is the process. Um, we have to read to study, but reading itself do, doesn't mean that we are studying. Reading really is an overview, while studying requires reflection, um, deciphering, and often referencing, where we look at Scripture and we find what does the Bible say in this passage. And, but then it's important that, and we're going to look at tonight a little bit, how we can outline a verse of Scripture that maybe you're struggling with on how to find what does it mean. And we want to look at that. But then also it's important to reference it, cross-reference it. The Bible says this here, but let's see what else the Bible says on this subject. And this is very important that we know how to do this because if we don't, um, if you can read one verse of Scripture, and if you don't know the context and other references, you may take something out of context. And therefore, we have a lot of false teaching and, and false doctrine in churches of all denominations because things are taken out of context. And so it's important that uh, when we study the Word of God, context truly is king. And it's important that when we read something, we need to understand who's the Bible talking to, um, who are the people, what context is this being spoken in, um, what are they talking about, and what's the subject matter at this time, and, and this is very important. Um, one prime example might be um, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. These are verses that are often taken out of context, but when you look at the passage of Scripture as a whole, and you see who God's talking to, what He's talking about, all of a sudden different, uh, difficult Scriptures uh, become self-evident when you recognize the context. Um, one of great place to start when we're reading the Bible is by outlining a passage. Outlining a passage, and this is particularly beneficial if you are reading a difficult passage of Scripture. And you don't need to outline every passage. There are some passages that I think you can get the gist of without having to outline. But have you ever read a passage of Scripture and maybe you struggled, what are they really talking about? Um, who are they talking to? Um, is this a reference to the individual or the church or a people? Who is this passage of Scripture talking about um, directly? And so one important aspect to help us uh, understand that outlining goes a long ways. Outlining helps us determine the primary subject, the action, and, um, uh, and the the philosophy behind it. Doing this may help you determine who and what the passage is referring to and to whom it is directed. I have an outline here that if you got the outline, it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 5, which is just over from where we were at, 2 Timothy chapter 2. But in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 5, I have uh, written out, um, this is the outline that I did, just putting it together for us to get an idea of kind of what an outline looks. It's on both sides of your paper. And so this is just a uh, generic outline. You don't have to use this, but when I say outline, I've typed it out, but typically I would just write this down with a pen and paper or a notepad. Um, but it starts off, I solemnly charge you. So who is he talking to? I solemnly charge you. Who, um, and then he's talking to you, Timothy, 
And then it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. So this is a background for the, the charge. So I'll, I'll kind of shift over and write this to the side. And then in the presence of God and Jesus, well, what about Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead? Christ is what? He's going to judge. He's going to judge who? The living and the dead. So I kind of keep stepping this down so we can break it apart. And then it says, I solemnly charge you. So it would be in the presence of God. And then equally, I drop down below, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So this is the background, the authority for his charge. Well, you see on the left on the left of the paper, there's a line that I've got drawn down through there. I will connect this to this is the charge itself, not just the authorization for the charge or the authority, but here is the charge. I solemnly charge you for what? Preach the word. Be ready. These are two charges. Preach the word and be ready. So I've connected the charge to that. So this is the subject. The subject is I'm charging you. I'm charging you to what? To preach the word and be ready. Well, be ready when? In season and out of season. All the time. Be ready. So we, and I know this is a very simple passage of scripture to understand, but I wanted to choose this one because I thought maybe it would help you kind of see how we break this down. And then it says, uh, be ready in season and out of season, uh, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And then it gives some background on how we're supposed to do those things. So again, I shift over a little bit with great patience and instructions. For the time will come. What time? When they will endure. Endure what? Sound doctrine. So I keep stair-stepping it down. Uh, And then as we come back to the former subject, or the former um, subject here, for the time will come, what time? Um, They will not endure, but wanting to have their ears tickled, uh, they will accumulate for themselves, what? Teachers in in accordance to in accordance to what? Their own desires. And so you see how I'm breaking this down. And then verse number five, if you drop down, um, this comes back to part of the charge. Um, he says, I solemnly charge you to preach the word. He says, but you, again, talking to Timothy directly again now, I'm charging you, and now he comes back to the subject. But you, Timothy, be sober in all things, and your hardship... Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. So again, we, we find that this is talking to uh, Timothy, but also those who would follow the Lord. And so this is a very simple outline, and you can break it down much more. If you're very good at English, you can break down each part of speech and begin to decipher it. But this is just a generic outline, but this gives you an idea how you can look at Scripture. So if you come to a a passage of Scripture, especially in the book of Revelations, uh, most people have a real hard time understanding the book of Revelations. Sometimes coming out and doing an outline, and some passages also in the Old Testament, this is very helpful with. And again, you don't have to do it fancy. You can get down with a pen and paper as you're reading God's Word. Say, listen, I want to really understand this verse. Well, read it, but then after you read it, pull out a pen. And you might be surprised how when you start to think about this, what this outline for me, what it really does, 
is it causes me to stop and really think what's happening in this passage. Who's talking, who are they talking to, and what are they trying to say? Uh, ain't that what we're supposed to be understanding in the God's Word? And sometimes when we just read briefly, we overdo this. And so we kind of can skip over it and uh, miss the, the message of the Word of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss a thing that God has to say to me. I want God to understand. So um, this is a passage of Scripture. I was actually tonight going to have us pick a passage of Scripture and go through and do that. And I don't know if y'all would want to do that or not, but um, it may be very uh, helpful to do that. And I would encourage you to do it. I won't make us do it to, together tonight. I won't put anybody on the spot. Um, but I encourage you to do it. Try to read the Word of God. Um, some other tools that you can do, and I said earlier, is context is king. And so understand the context of the scripture. Um, I've mentioned that we're wanting, I've been to Israel, and when I went to Israel, I talked with some of uh, Jonathan and James this week, and how it literally, it changes the way you look at the word of God when you've been there because you have a different perspective on the context. And so if you've never been, um, we're wanting to take a trip here in a year or so, and I encourage you, be a part of that if you can, and uh, you, you'll, you'll never regret going because it changes the context of how you look at things. Um, one, incident, you know, or one instance is um, there in the Valley of Megiddo, Megiddo Valley, where the Arm, Battle of Armageddon will take place. You can be there, uh, there is an old fortress that was built by King Ahab. You all remember King Ahab? And uh, you know, he had his vineyards. Well, King Ahab, this here in, in this valley, this is where his vineyards were. And so we have this biblical context of the story. Well, as you're sitting there on top of this little mountain where his uh, little hill in the middle of the valley, this is where his fortress was. And as you look out over this, you see here's where the Battle of Armageddon takes place. And if you look across the valley, you see this mountain where Elijah prayed down fire from heaven. And so you're seeing where Elijah prayed fire down from heaven while standing where Ahab's uh, vineyards were. And then if you look off to the distance, here in between the middle, you see where the Battle of Armageddon is going to transpire. But at the end of that valley stands Mount uh, Tabor, where Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. And so where he ascended into heaven, he's going to come back, and that's where he's going to defeat the armies of the world. And all this is right here in this valley. And so when you see it, it just it changes the way you look at Scripture. And um, I'm going to give you another little tidbit that it was fascinating to me. Have you ever been asked or have you ever wondered, we hear about Jesus in his birth, right? We hear about him up until the age of 12. They travel to Jerusalem. He's there. Joseph and Mary leave. Jesus is left behind, right? They come back to Jerusalem looking for him. And where was he? He was in the temple teaching. And so we, you know the story. And then we don't hear anything about Jesus for 18 more years until he starts his ministry, there are silent years about Christ. Have you ever wondered where Christ was at and what he did all that time? People have asked me as a pastor over the years, and I just, I'll be honest with you, I said, we don't know. There's no idea. Who, we, nobody knows. Well, I get to 
Israel on our trip, and we're sitting here talking uh, with our tour guide, who was a uh, Israeli special forces, but he had trained for many years, knowing the history of Israel, was brilliant, and he's a Christian. And uh, so we're sitting there, and he's talking about it, and uh, they're building a city there on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, they're building that city, and they've traced it back to the time frame of when Christ was being built. I wish I had a map. I'm trying to see if I could. Um, Y'all are not going to be able to see that as much as I would want you to. Um, yeah, you're not going to see it. Okay, so all, anyways, the Sea of Galilee here, on one side of it is, or on the bottom side of it is the Galilee region, Capernaum, where they're at. Well, on the side of it here, up above it, there's a city by the name of Tiberias. All right, so what was Jesus as a childhood? What was Joseph? Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was the son of a carpenter. We were often referred to as Joseph. Well, the tour guide, an, an Israeli, said, and, you know, obviously Jesus was building Tiberias during that time because all the carpenters during that time frame were forced to go to, by the Romans to go to Tiberias and help build the city. And he just passed through it just as a matter of fact. And we're like, hold on, stop for a second. We need you to back up and say that one more time. And so it was, they just understood from the context of their culture and history that during that time, Jesus, during those years, would have been in Tiberias, more than likely with Joseph helping Carpenter as they were building the city of Tiberias. And so context matters. And so now all of a sudden you see those silent years of 18 years, and it makes more sense because Christ wasn't doing his ministry. More than likely he was actively um, helping do the work of a carpenter. And so it just, uh, context sometimes matters, very important in Scripture. And so as we read God's Word, um, it is important for us to stop and say, okay, who was the Scriptures being written to? And so this requires work because we don't just know, I'm not a Jew from 2,000 years ago. And we read Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. I don't know what Ephesus was like. So if I want to understand the context of it, I have to do a little research, don't I? I have to do some homework. And so, but as we begin to do those things, it begins to make more sense to us. And sometimes it shed lights on the Word of God. Now, I understand the Word of God can stand on its own two feet. Um, I, I'm not denying that. But sometimes understanding the context can give us helpful insight to what they were saying. And so context is king. Another aspect, which, I, again, I, I know I'm preaching to the backbone of the church. Some of the, 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 most of y'all have been in the church, and you're well-versed in knowing the Word of God. But it's important for us to think about, and it's important that we know the context, not only of this passage, but what else does the Bible have to say? And I know that you know what your, uh, if you've got a study Bible, you've got all the study notes in there that you can cross-reference. But I encourage you, if you find a verse of Scripture, um, find some of the key words, and then if you don't, if you don't have a Bible software, um, if you've got a smartphone or a computer, it's real easy to get. And if not, we've got a church library full of commentaries and concordances. And it's real simple to find a verse of Scripture or a word and say, okay, where else does the Bible talk about this? 
And sometimes, if you look at one verse of Scripture, um, you might not have clarity, okay, what is this talking about? But if you look at other places in Scripture, it begins to make more sense what we have a picture of the whole. And so sometimes that brings clarity uh, more so than what we might get in a, uh, a singular uh, passage of Scripture. And so, uh, again, just talking about studying the Bible, I know this is, um, I'm talking, y'all are being awful quiet tonight, but I really want this to be more of an open discussion um, about studying the Bible. And maybe you have some things that you would like to share, and I would love to learn from you as well. Um, and so I will give you a moment, an opportunity for that in just a moment. But, um, and I will share more next week. But the truth is, as we study the Bible, there are endless ways we can study the Bible. But the truth is, for most people, um, there's really not a wrong way to study it. Just study it. Just get in God's Word, dive into it, and try to go below the, uh, the surface. And, okay, God, what are you really trying to say in this passage of Scripture? And there's plenty of tools that are available. Um, we've got them at the church. I don't know how much our library is being used, um, but I encourage you, take advantage of it. We've got a great library here at our church. And I encourage you, get some of these books and uh, learn what other people have said, cross-reference, and uh, use that for the benefit of studying God's Word. Does some of y'all have maybe something you would like to share, a tool that you use for studying, or a method that you have found to be effective that maybe you would like to share with the rest of us? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Fantastic. The CSB Study Bible, Concordance, and a Dictionary. Yes. And a good study Bible is very beneficial. Brother Bob, was you raising your hand? Were you going to? Baptistry 
and as wide as this, and it was all the Book of Revelation. There were thousands and thousands of books on the Book of Revelation. So I went back to my professor and asked him for three different individuals that wrote books about the Book of Revelation. Yes. And it's really beneficial when you get different people talking about the same situation. It's just like anything else, you get individuals talking about the subject. You get different opinions and different ideas, and pretty much it all gels together and you get the basics. <laughs> and the book of Revelation scared the daylights out of me. Uh, but I taught it to this, my church in Kentucky. Yes. Yes. So, but it was an amazing experience using those three contexts coming up with them. Yes, sir. They, they understand that. Yes, sir. It's intimidating to tackle. It, it definitely is. I know a lot of pastors that won't preach on Revelation just because it's, it, it's a lot to study and take on and you really risk offending somebody because people are get very partial over what they believe on revelations and um, people can really get defensive over it if you don't teach it exactly the way they believe so uh, that's a, it's a tough subject but and that's a good tool you know you can definitely there's a lot of great authors that have written on subjects and so you can glean a lot from people um, but i do i do put this caution on that when you study someone uh, or read some after someone, that's great. I do it. I've got a library. You go to my office. I've got a library full of books on different subjects. Um, that's great. But don't rely upon that. Always come back and check it with the Word of God. That goes for me. I've told you and I've com committed to you that I want to stay faithful to the Word of God. But don't just follow something just because a preacher said it. Make sure it aligns with God's word. And that goes for all of us across the board. So thank you. That's great. Any anybody else? Yes, ma'am. We used to have games where you know, all the time. Every January they had a Bible study. Now explain that to me a little bit more. I'm not familiar with that. Through the month of January. If they do, I'm not familiar with it, but it sounds great. Yes, ma'am.
Yes. Not that you know of. <laughs> yeah. What Brian and I did, we need Jay Vernon with you through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. But I have found that when we use U version on our iPads, mm-hmm. so that we can bring up multiple versions of the Bible, and I have found that using the Amplified Bible, it has the translations for the original Greek and the original Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And so it clarifies even further from the Christian Standard Bible. But there's six versions of the Bible that I routinely read from one to the next to the next on passages that I have the you know, if I don't understand it, if I need more clarity from it, and I'll read the different versions, whether it's the English Standard, the King James, the Amplified, the Christian Standard, mm-hmm. whatever, and I can get more clarity by just reading the different versions and to pull it all together from that. Yes. And then when there's big questions and whatnot, we found that um, GodQuestions.com mm-hmm. is a great place to go to get answers. Yes. Yes, ma'am. That's neat that you used the, what did you say the website was? U-version. U-version, okay. U-version, okay, good deal. I use another resource that's similar to that is Blue Letter Bible. So I love Blue Letter Bible. Um, You can go to a word and you can go to forward interlinear and you can go, it'll show you the the Greek number or Hebrew It'll break it down, and then you can click on it, and it'll take you to a lexicon. It'll give you um, Barnes-Briggs, and it'll give you the different lexicons. And so, you know, the truth of the matter is, some of these languages are somewhat um, Hebrew of the Bible and Hebrew of today has changed. And so some of these words, even in Hebrew or Greek, coined Greek, are, um, they're not spoken now. So some of these words are... They really don't, okay, what does it mean? There's some debate over it. So as languages progress, they understand it more. So the lexicons have kind of changed. So even if you go to what does this word mean, that's why if you go to a CSB or a King James, some words are translated a little different. And you're like, okay, why is that? Well, because the understanding of what that word means has changed. And so sometimes when you read, like you're saying, read some, you know, you can get a different perspective and that can be helpful. I, I use the King James a lot. I grew up on it. I cut my teeth on it. Um, I, I read and study and use other, but when I, when I quote scripture in my brain, it comes out King James. That's just what I grew up on. And, and so, but sometimes some of those words, um, the way we interpret them, the word has changed from when it was originally written 400 years ago. And so what that word meant to them, it does not still mean the same to us. One example, in our Father's house are many, what? Okay, I've heard mansions and rooms. See there? It was different all over the place. Many mansions. What does that mean? What? (laughs) See? Nobody wants to answer that right now. (laughs) Mansions. Often that's interpreted, I'm gonna, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. We think we're going to have our own castle, our own big mansion. If you go back and study in the Old English, mansions were living quarters, private living quarters within a castle. And so it wasn't its own castle. 
what we would think of a mansion. It was a private living quarter within this another ca- within a castle where you would have your own little living area. Now I've heard some people get offended over that and say, "Well, bless God, I'm going to have my own place. You can have your own little room if you want to." And my response to that is, "That's fine. You go have your own place. I'm going to live in the mansion with Christ. You can go have your own place." I think I'll take my room at Christ's mansion, his castle, and you can go have your own place. And so, uh, but, you know, we hear the word mansion, and the definitions can shift depending on context. And so it's important that we, you know, again, stop, as you said, go back. What does this actually mean? And sometimes referencing different versions can, okay, well, this is what that means in context. Mansion literally does mean not just one room, but a group of rooms. Rooms, plural, but it's a living area. And so it's important that we study out and, okay, what does this mean? And that keeps us from getting off on some crazy doctrine. So anybody else? Some, some good study tools. This is fantastic. I'm enjoying this tonight. So, yes, sir, Brother Dennis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. That's the foundation. Yes. Brother, what Brother Dennis was saying, if you couldn't hear, was um, he was told by a preacher that was very helpful to him, was that before you read, pray. Pray and ask the Lord to understand it. And ultimately, we have all these tools and resources, and they can help us, but unless the Holy Spirit is delivering the message to our hearts, we're missing out. And that's why I preached about a couple, uh, or taught about a couple weeks ago, is that really prayer and Bible study go hand in hand. Um, if I'm going to study God's Word, I always pray before I read. But it don't have to be one or the other. You can pray, read, pray, read, pray, read. Lord, I don't understand this. You're, I need you to help me on this. Talk to the Lord. It's okay. He's your friend. He loves you. He wants to be there. And it's okay just to be honest with Him. Lord, I, I'm not understanding this. And there's been time in my life where God hasn't always let me understand a scripture right when I asked. Sometimes it wasn't ready for me to. But then down the road, I had another situation, and God says, see, this is for you now. And I understand. And like, okay, Lord, it makes sense now. But if you'll pray and ask the Lord, I promise in his timing, he will help you and give you the understanding. But prayer is an absolute key to it. And that's why I've said prayer and Bible study, they really... That they're two sides of the same coin. You really can't have one without the other right. They, they, they need to be, um, if you all always pray and don't ever read your Bible, um, you're going to suffer spiritually. And if you always read your Bible and never pray, you're going to suffer spiritually. But when you do them together, we get the best. And that's what the Lord has for us. Thank you, Brother Dennis. Anybody else?
Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And just like prayer life, if you ever tried to pray and have your life, I'm going to have a time of prayer. Often the devil, if you're not careful, the devil will have a million things distract you. Well, the Word of God will do the same thing. And when you're trying to read, I can assure you, I can be in my office doing a lot of things, and it'll be relatively quiet. If I start having my own personal devotions, uh, or if I'm trying to study for a sermon and I get in the Word, without a doubt, I can guarantee you my phone's going to start blowing up. Somebody's going to want to talk. The devil don't like it. And so there's plenty of distractions, and it is important. Find a time where you can do it, um, where you've got that, that quietness. But also, um, sometimes you just have to turn the phone off or put it on silent and just say, listen, I'm not going to be distracted. This is uh, mine and God's time. It's more important than mine and you fill in the blank, your person's time. God's the priority. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. My only, in my, my personal, the only thing I struggle with, and I do it typically early, I'm an early person, but um, a lot of times I have my Bible study and prayer time in the mornings where the family gets up and going. And if not, it's hard to get it done, so I end up doing it when I get to the office or later in the day. But I try to do it early in the morning. But my... The one thing that I struggle with that is, is that because I've got two little girls, sometimes I think by doing it this way, they never get to see Daddy study. And so uh, it's important they know that Daddy's not just a preacher, but he also has a personal walk with God. So it's, uh, but if they are up, it's almost impossible to do it. So <laughs> I don't know, I don't know the right, I haven't found the right answer to that one, so... Somebody else? Any other uh, study resources that you have that maybe uh, or processes you use that are beneficial? All righty. Well, that's, I think, about as far as we're going to get tonight then, and we will have our time of prayer.